0: Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women at all levels in engineering and technology. And one way we do that is through professional development events and online workshops. Visit www.exec.swe.org to learn more about our empowering and engaging three-day event for engineering leaders and executives taking place this June. Or attend one of our three virtual Reignite Your Light workshops designed to help women engineers at every level find happiness, balance, and direction in their careers. To learn more, visit advancedlearning.swe.org. Now let's get to today's diverse episode.
1: Hello, I'm Karen Hording, Executive Director and CEO of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Please visit swe.org for more details. I'm excited today to be joined by We Local India keynote speaker, Shinam Ori. Shinam is the Vice President for Dell Digital Services, Self-Service, and APJ CIO Leader at Dell Technologies in India. Currently based in Bangalore, Shinam has more than 25 years of experience in various aspects of global delivery, product management, testing, and leadership roles. As a global executive, Sheenam is a versatile and strategic IT leader. Experienced in information risk management, she applies systemic and broad business perspectives to IT programs. Sheenum plays a key role as an accomplished business leader with her proven ability in conceptualizing and delivering technology solutions in line with organizational needs. She has expertise in diverse and multicultural global team building, strong networking, partner relationship management, and team motivation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sheenam.
2: An absolute pleasure and honor, Karen. Thank you for having me.
1: So in today's podcast, let's start way back at the very beginning and maybe tell us a little bit about when you first felt a calling toward technology and sort of how did you develop that interest?
2: Interesting question, Karen. So I have always been a person who's very, very interested in maths, right? A logic, being able to solve a problem, being able to solve a challenging issue has been something that has been, you know, a passion since childhood. I don't remember a time when that was not something that I was interested in. So I think it just materialized towards technology and towards, you know, the engineering career through that interest. I'm not somebody who's very good at, uh, you know, the economy, economics, or history, geography, those kind of subjects. I really love my maths and physics, and that, I think, took me towards technology.
1: And was there some specific encouragement you received during your early studies that helped with that?
2: So, yes. um, Both my parents really are Virgos, and, you know, they're, they're the kind of people, Virgos, if you know them, they're perfectionists, right? And both of them had this passion that their children would study well. They would uh, uh, they would be tutored to be independent in life and to enjoy financial independence uh, once they grew up. So there was this immense boost uh, from both parents to be perfect at everything that you did, whether it was studies, whether it was extracurricular activities, anything that you did, you took up, you should be really, really good at. So, you know, you started with that as a foundation. Um, Plus, of course, you know, the encouragement at home from both the parents, my father is one of my role models, has been immense, right? Go do what you want to do. Um, uh, There is no stopping you. There is absolutely no hurdle that you cannot cross. So, you know, with all of that positive energy that was kind of built into our minds, really taking up a, a career path that was growth oriented was, I think, a given.
1: Yeah, well, at sweet. we talk a lot about the importance of adult influencers and particularly parents to be encouraging of girls. So it sounds like you absolutely had that encouragement, which is great.
2: Oh yes, so you must. You must know that my father did not allow us to. We're a family of girls, and you know, um, my father never allowed us to do anything that was um, girl-like, right? So we didn't know how to cook. We we didn't do anything that, it, from a tradition perspective, a woman is supposed to do. His absolute aim in life was to make us financially independent, uh, to have you know the right careers for us as per our our uh, needs, and he always said that everything else will eventually happen because she will need to do it, but it doesn't need to happen in my house.
0: Well,
1: it sounds like your father was really ahead of his time in terms of breaking those cultural stereotypes.
2: And I think we've been lucky with all of that.
1: Yes, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about university, where you went to school and how those studies influenced your career path.
2: So Karen, um, We started off in a very small town. Uh, The town was called Lambarnath. It's one of the suburbs of Thane district in Mumbai, Maharashtra. You know, two schools, really, uh, you know, everybody knew everybody, that kind of place, right? So that's where I started my schooling. There was a lot of hunger to learn and to excel. And I think that kind of also paved the path to the future. There was a hunger to do well in different kinds of uh, paths. So I learned to dance. I was very good at debates in school. And there was this very subconscious need to be seen as somebody who's multi-talented. That's something that I think is there in, my, in, in me so in school you would see me at every annual day function on the stage you would see me participating in you know elocution alloc- competitions in debates and you know really be there i used to participate in sports but it, it, sports is really not my thing i am more you know the logic uh, logic kind of person so that's why the debates uh, was there my only creativity was really dancing so yeah that's how you know The school environment came through, Uh, moved uh, to Thane district uh, as I was going through middle school. That was a change because, you know, suddenly you were in a bigger city. You saw a little bit more of urban India and, you know, how things were. So that kind of also framed my mind. Uh, We moved to Bangalore in 86, which is when I did my 11th and 12th grade and then my engineering in the Common College in Bangalore. Those were also very different experiences, right? They were very formative years. And I think the diversity of the experience that I had from a small city to a fairly large city to a very different city, which was Bangalore, um, a very different environment, uh, helped quite a bit.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like from an early age, you were building skills that would sort of supplement your technical expertise you know you talked about being well-rounded, and I think that's so important for anyone who's thinking about leadership to have those additional skills in addition to their technical expertise
2: indeed, it is, Karen. I'm a, 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 you know if you have to chart out my personality, i would I would tend to fall under the extroverted category, but I'm not very highly extroverted, right? Even today, give me my music, give me a book that I love to read. And I would sit in a corner and and, uh, read that. But just ensuring that, you know, people, people knew, knew of me, just ensuring that I was having fun was, was also important. So, you know, uh, ensuring that you are present was something that has been important to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes a little bit of self promotion is required for people to know who you are and the work that you're doing, particularly in that corporate setting, right?
2: Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting you say that because when I was growing up, I didn't really think about it that way, right? But the fact that, you know, you didn't have the hesitation to go on stage to do a dance or a performance or a hesitation to take on an inter school debate competition and really represent your school up to a state level or on something like that, I think helped in the corporate environment because then you didn't have uh, the fears or, or you know the typical stage fright that you could really have. So that really helped in the corporate environment.
1: Yeah, I, I can see that. So that's a good transition. Tell us a little bit about your role currently at Dell and kind of what a day in the life is like for you there.
2: So my uh, role at Dell right now, I'm responsible for dell.com support from an engineering and a product enablement perspective, right? So we provide the infrastructure and the software products that actually enable dell.com support. What does a typical day look like? It um, has a component of reviews. So I would want to do reviews about my products and, you know, what those are looking like. I would do a lot of one-on-ones with my leaders, do some skip levels, um, do some brown bags with uh, with the teams just to understand what's happening on the floor. And that's really, really key right now, specifically because we are all working from home. In the In the office environment, we were typically you know meeting each other seeing each other sending a smile across the floor which doesn't happen today so i think um, those those are very big components of what a typical day looks like so i typically like to spend some time on myself during a day so anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour is something that i reserve for myself and in in that time i would either take a break and you know read something listen to music like i said earlier i would um, you know spend some time in a hobby do different things on different days but you know just just ensuring that my own mental health uh, exists i have the time to do other things not just work is very very important
1: yeah. It it sounds like you really understand that in order to be a successful leader, you do have to have a little bit of work and life. I don't know if balance is the right word, but be able to integrate them. Is there some advice you might have for women that struggle with that?
2: So first of all, I, uh, I think uh, work and life balance is a myth. We live every day, right? And work is a part of life. So I would say, you know, your, your work and possibly the time that you want to spend with your family, that kind of balance is really, really important. There are going to be times when work will take over. There are going to be times when family will take over. And it will happen to everybody. It will happen more to a woman than it would happen to a man. Because even today, across societies and across generations, um, A woman is the caretaker. She is the caregiver. She is the person who who bears birth to a child. And from the way she is structured from an emotional EI kind of perspective, she also is somebody who will have more compassion and and empathy and sympathy for family around. There is going to be times when your family is going to need you and your work has to take a backseat. There are going to be times when your work really needs you and you know this assignment is really important, and you may have to ignore, you know, that crying child or a sick child at home. Deal with it on a daily basis is my advice. Deal with it without guilt is also my advice. Right? Make a decision and be happy with that decision. So, in a particular phase of life, if you chose to take a back seat in your career. Because family and the issues with the family or the responsibilities in the family at that point of time were important. Be happy about it. Don't regret it.
1: Yeah. And I think that time with family, like you said, if that's what you need to do, do it without guilt. Or or conversely, if it's something you have to do at work and, and you, you can't be there for a parent or a child, you make the decision and you just move on.
2: Yes, you do that. When you're at home and with your family, disconnect from work. When you're at work, right? And more so important in the current situation, disconnect from your family life, right? If you bring issues to the either side, there will be problems, right? You will never be 100% on both the sides. And people at work and your family will recognize that. And they will be unhappy. If they are unhappy, you would be unhappy.
1: Absolutely. I think that's great advice. Be where you are in the moment and be fully present. Absolutely. Yep. So let's kind of go back with Dell. I know you're the chairperson for the Women in Action and Family Balance Employee Resource Groups at Dell. What what prompted you to get involved and be a champion for these groups?
2: So I think I'm, I'm personally a uh, promoter of women at work and women in technology, right? I, It gives me deep personal pleasure to see women succeeding in technology. And that's just ingrained into me, right? That's just who I am. So when I was offered the role of the chairperson for Women in Action, it was just the right thing, right? It, it's, It's something that I'm personally passionate about. It gives me the energy. And sometimes I believe it also gives me energy to do my day job and day role very well. On Family Balance, Family Balance happened about a year and a half back. And then, uh, you know, it was offered to me to be the sponsor for Family Balance across APJC. I think the, what struck a chord was, you know, all of us specifically in my age group have been caregivers at some point of time, right? There would be a, a sick parent that needs help There could be a a relative that needs help, Uh, somebody who's going through mental trauma in your friend circle, and you are the support, you are the giver of care at that point of time. And that's a very strong need, right? It's not somebody that you can identify easily with, but if such people get together and create an ERG that supports each other just by listening to each other, I think that by itself is very, very powerful. And that's what attracted me to family balance.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think anyone who has spent time as a caregiver, whether it's for children or other family members or even friends, it can be exhausting. And so to be with other people that can help and and just understand and share stories, I think is really powerful.
2: Yeah, it is, right? See, if you've got, for example, last year, we took on uh, the uh, entire thing around Uh, caregivers for cancer patients, right? When people came together and shared their stories, there were tears in the room, but there was also a bonding. That's so powerful. I mean, I just, it just still gives me goosebumps when I remember that.
1: Yeah. There's something so powerful about that. I remember even one of our first SWE events in India where women were sharing and kind of talking about family challenges and some of the more experienced women were sharing their advice and there were tears and hugs. And it it does, it just gives you goosebumps to be able to provide that forum where people feel safe to share.
2: Yes, so true.
1: So tell us a little bit, um, We Local is coming up here in a few weeks and you will be giving a keynote. Can you share a little bit what the audience might expect to hear from you?
2: So I thought a great deal about, you know, uh, the theme about this year, right? And practicing curiosity is, I think, very, very powerful. So I wanted to have my keynote based around something around that. One of my key learnings in life has been around the aspect of unlearning. We all talk about learning and we all talk about, you know, training ourselves, reskilling ourselves. We don't talk so much about unlearning. To me, um, I think one of the skills that is going to be needed in the future is really about unlearning. In technology, there are over 2,500 languages right now. If I don't quickly unlearn what I learned in one and move to the next one, I never will be able to do justice to the power of the technology that I'm working in. I started my career in business basic. Today, nobody even knows about business basic. It was a line interpreter, right? Nobody knows about it. But if I get stuck with business basic and say how powerful that was and how much I enjoyed it, I would never be able to learn a Java or a Python or anything like that, right? So I have to have the ability to unlearn, to be able to appreciate the new learning. I have to have the ability to get rid of some of the biases that are there in my mind to be able to move on. So, my topic, which is the art and science of unlearning, is really based around that.
1: I am so excited. I think that is so timely. And given as we come out of the pandemic and what the world might look like, unlearning is going to be really important because it's not going to be the same, right? Yep. And so yep.
0: that
1: that's I think that's going to be challenging for a lot of people and to to unlearn to to not be going back to what was and just be able to move forward and and embrace new things is going to be critical I think to being successful.
2: I agree totally. And I'll give you another example, right? Everybody says that the millennials are very different from, you know, the earlier generations, the baby boomers and, and whoever was before them. A survey was done in 2017 that said actually by IBM, the survey was done by IBM, and that survey actually proved that the value systems and what the millennials and the Gen Zs expect from a work environment is no different from what we expect. They are also looking at growth. They are looking at good work. But the way they want to work is different. Now, if I get stuck to the fact that you have to come to office and you have to be in office for nine days, nine hours every day, and you have to be here every month, that's not the way millennials work. They need diversity in their work profile. They need a very different kind of engagement. And I need to understand that. I need to relate to that. And I have to be able to engage them in a manner that they stay at the highest level of engagement. I need to balance that with the baby boomers and everybody else in the organization, respecting that generation diversity. So there is an element of learning, but there is a huge element of unlearning that I need to do as a leader.
1: And it can be challenging, right? Trying to balance the needs of all these different groups within the, the work world today. So I I think any tips you can provide that have been helpful to you will be helpful to our participants as well.
2: I'm sure and I'm I'm looking forward to learning also, right? Again, on that same topic, right? the average age of a person today, right, that was born. Uh, 20, 25 years back is going to be 104, which means you can't retire at the age of 60 or 65. You have to be working for longer than that. Now, how do you balance somebody who's 24 years and in your team and somebody who's 70? That's why unlearning is important.
1: Yes. And the people that figure that out are really going to be successful because we're going to need them in leadership roles. Yes, of course. Which I I think is is sort of my transition to my last question here is, what advice do you have for the next generation of technology professionals and leaders to lead them to that successful career?
2: That's an interesting question, right? And this is a personal belief. We We are in a decade of data. And People, leaders, organizations that are able to decipher that data and convert it into insights for better customer experience, for better team member experience, are going to be the people who will redefine the next generation of technology. What skills do you need for that? You really don't need technology skills. You need skills of empathy. You need skills of user design, or being able to understand what the end customer really wants, and able to convert that into an experience leveraging technology. So in my mind, the future skill of the technology industry is really empathy. Are you bringing that to the table? That would be my question.
1: That answer really excites me because I feel like for women, that is a skill that that tends to be a bit innate. And so I think the future for women in technology is extremely bright.
2: I am 100% aligned with that. Yes. Yes.
1: Well, Sheenam, thank you so much for joining us today. I am really looking forward to your keynote. I am disappointed that we won't get to meet in person this year, but I hope that next year when we're back to a face-to-face event in Bangalore, that you will be able to join us and our attendees will get a chance to meet you in person.
2: I'm absolutely looking forward to that, Karen. I want this time.
1: We are going to hold you to that. Thank you. So I'm Karen Ording, and for all of us at SWE, thanks for listening.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. If you feel inspired to make a positive change in your career, make sure to register for SWE's professional development workshops by visiting www.exec.swe.org and www.advancedlearning.swee.org. Please don't forget to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform and share this episode with your social network. Thanks for listening.